This is the Namine Solar Light Company's podcast, Solutions for Climate Revolution. My name is Francesca and my guest today is Josie Wexler. Josie works for and is helping to build the wealth of knowledge of ethical consumer, an online toolkit for individuals, businesses and communities to rank the products we want to buy against the highest ethical and environmental standards. Josie, ethical consumer has helped me live my, by my values and buy products that I can have confidence in are not costing the earth or causing any personal or animal suffering. It's been an emotional journey at times because there have been products that I have bought, I have bought thinking I'm doing the best for the environment, only to find out that actually they're probably the lowest down on, on your ranking. Could you tell us what's it like working for ethical consumer? Yeah, it's really good. I mean, I uh, wanted to work there because I trained, I've got a sort of background in, in looking at climate stuff in particular and um, doing sort of carbon footprinting, that kind of thing, which is sort of a way of measuring what uh, what the climate impact of a particular thing is. Um, but I, because I, I'm also interested in social issues, I got a bit bored and I thought I wanted to do something that would look more holistically at everything. So ethical consumer is really good because we look at everything. We look at social issues and environmental issues and animal rights issues. And so I basically get to write about everything, which is why it's really good. We also are workers cooperative. Well, we're we're mixed cooperative actually, but um, but that's really good. So everybody has a say, which is really nice, um, and we all make collective decisions, which is a really nice place to work. It sounds wonderful. You have such a holistic view, and you're you're tackling all the crisis crisis crises. Can't say it. Crises. I feel the world is facing at the moment. You've got the biodiversity and ecology crisis, we've got the climate crisis, we've got the water crisis, we've got human rights crisis, we've got animal welfare crisis. It's, um, there's, there's so much going on in the world right now and for me ethical consumers is, it, it gives me peace of mind that I know that I can still live the life and a quality of life that I aspire to and but, also, but do that in a way that is benefiting the world and the future. Could you talk about um, how you do this ranking and your research? So what we do, we have a quite complicated system. We try to look at all the relevant things with regard to a company. So we, we'll do what we call refs, basically. We, we, uh, uh, we look at a company, we look at all of their um, reports, like their annual reports, their um, the reports they give to the government of their accounts. We send them a questionnaire, which some of them reply to and set, send us more information. Um, and also uh, publicly available information like in the media, we search, do uh, Google searches of anything that like in the Guardian or that has been reported or, or on other websites. Um, and then we look at so we, there are the sort of core things that we look at, uh, they're, what they're saying about what they're doing for the environment. Um, do they have targets to reduce their emissions? And um, are, is, do they give proper data on it? Um, and then we look at their supply chain management. So we've got a whole set of things that we look at. Do they have a policy that's good on workers' rights within their supply chain? Um, and do they audit to make sure any of that's actually happening? Um, do they address things like audit fraud? Um, so that's one of the biggest refs we do really and the most time consuming is supply chain management because that's really complicated. And a lot of companies now, big companies, have enormously long complicated supply chains. So a lot, awful lot of 
their sort of workers' rights, human rights issues have been kind of outsourced, which is why that's so important, that one. Um, and then we look at um, pollution and toxics. So what, what if there's uh, particular chemicals that have been criticised in that industry, what the company is saying or doing on them. Uh, we look at if they've been criticised for what they're doing on the climate in other areas. Um, we look at their policies on animal welfare and animal rights, if they're a food company or a cosmetics company or any, anything else where that's relevant. Um, uh, what else we look at? Two seconds. <laughs> There's so much stuff that you have to have a list. You forget it all. <laughs> I'm surprised you can remember it all. It's all amazing. <laughs> when you when we do it, you basically for your for each industry, we we have a, a list of all the relevant things to rate. So uh, just look up. So if it's food, oh, we look at palm oil. What they're doing on palm oil. If they partly what they say and also what they do. If if they are making any efforts to uh, improve. Um, the sustainable sourcing of palm oil um, and uh, workers rights will look at apart from the supply chain management we mostly just look at media media stories on that or if there's any other reports of uh, complaints about workers rights we we sort of gather secondary criticism as well as doing our own ratings so our, our, our ratings is basically two types which is our own ratings of what companies saying and doing in their reports and uh, media and secondary criticisms of, of the company since so that's the other way we can get information about them really um, uh, well let me think then we look at you have a hugely objective view which I think is so important because you're not just like oh my biases I like this I like that I don't like palm oil blah 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 it's you're actually looking at a very holistic and, and rounded rounded criteria to give these rankings that you do on your website, which is, is so important. It gives people the ability to, to trust you in, in, and know that what you're saying on the website is reliable and gives people a peace of mind. Yeah, we really try to. We try to be very objective with what we do. So it's not just a matter of, because otherwise it is very easy to, certain companies people will just pick on because for some reason they've got a bad reputation or something and that that is important to know about and it's important to so sometimes focus a campaign like a boycott can get change to happen but it's also important to be a bit objective because sometimes then other companies can just slip under the net because less attention has been focused on them but they're doing equally bad things so um or sometimes equally good things as well. I mean, it's not all negative. Companies can do positive things. Um, so we, yeah, we try to be quite systematic about it, basically. Um, Amazing. You're James Bond for the planet. That's <laughs> wonderful. I think it, it's so vital because there's, there's just so many, there's so much fake news out there and no one knows what to believe on a pack, on a product labels. Like no one knows what to believe online. There's greenwashing. There's, I mean, honestly, like I feel like a lot of companies do just plain right lie, and it's um, it's very disconcerting because there are so many things that we need in our modern day life, and we just want to be able to buy them with the least amount of stress, the least amount of worry, knowing that our purchases, although helping us now, aren't negatively affecting our future. Yeah, I mean, there is a huge amount of greenwash, and just people 
people either in denial or just saying what's in their interest to say really um, I mean, another thing we do as well the major thing we do is rank the companies like that but we also do features which is we'll just look at an issue in depth um, and I've done quite a number on environmental issues just because that's my speciality really so I recently wrote one on animal products because I think there's an awful lot of disinformation going on about that which is some of it is people who just really want things to be true it's wishful thinking because meat tastes nice and i appreciate that as well but the truth is the evidence that animal products are bad for the climate is really overwhelming um so i basically asked to write a um write a feature on that so that yeah all, all the animal rights organizations really like that because i basically just went through the scientific evidence and the scientific evidence is very strong that if you want to do the best thing for the climate you should reduce or eliminate eating animal products really um so yeah that was i mean that's just and like we sometimes just we also i mean we look at issues so you try to look at um sort of cut through some of the uh, different bits of it in inaccurate information you'll get online it's you've got such a job on your hands could you what was the name of your um study that you did for, for people who would want to um look at that up? On, on animal products um oh i can't remember what we call i called it it's um let me just think you can link it to me and then i can put it in the yeah, bio i think finish. it was probably called something like how bad are animal products for the environment but i'm not sure the the title. it wasn't anything more exciting than that is there what's going on with you mentioned palm oil and i know palm oil is it's, i believe it's the second baddest thing that you can kind of consume in terms of deforestation and lack of and loss of biodiversity could you just explain a little bit about palm oil and and why it's so bad and the types of misinformation that there are around it because some um, i had a conversation with someone the other day and said palm oil is actually really good because it grows so quickly and i thought um Someone, I think, a bit it is a bit difficult because palm oil is um, so. So it's not really the the thing in itself. Like the tree in itself is just a very productive tree that produces a lot of oil. There'd be nothing wrong with it. It's not the fault of the tree. Unfortunately, the way it's being produced is really bad because because partly because it's so appealing, it, you can get so much oil from it and make so much money that people are chopping down forests in order to do it um, so that's going on across certain parts of asia in malaysia and indonesia in particular um, they've just discovered it's a way to make a lot of money um, so there, there's huge swathes of the forest just being cut down and burnt and turned into palm oil plantations which is really devastating for the climate um, partly well all forests are carbon stores so if you get rid of them you've uh, lost a lot of carbon from the trees but also um some of it grows on peat which is a huge store of carbon because uh, peat is is not just earth it's uh, a um basically store of dead trees um and when when you burn that you're releasing an absolute enormous amount of carbon dioxide so it's really devastating for the climate and it's also uh, having a really bad effect on biodiversity particularly i mean everybody gets really upset about are the orangutans because they're so beautiful and they're going extinct because it's their habitat being destroyed 
but I mean, it, it, it isn't that palm oil it's, in itself is that bad. And you could produce palm oil sustainably. It's just that it's not actually happening. So um, that's the problem with palm oil. And when people say, well, if you switch to another one, it might be just as bad. That, that's not entirely false because you could grow coconut oil just as badly. Uh, at the moment, coconut is not particularly associated with deforestation. So it's not being grown as badly, but it is true that there, there's nothing stopping you chopping down a forest and growing coconut on it. Um, so yeah, at the, it's very difficult to know what to do about palm oil though, because the main scheme that, there's this scheme called the Round Table on Sustainable Palm Oil that was set up to try to ensure that palm oil was not grown really badly. The problem, it, problem is, is that it hasn't worked that well um, and it's very weak. We still use it because it's basically all we've got. So we ask companies to be signed up to it and to make sure that all of their palm oil is coming from Roundtable certified plantations. Uh, there has been a lot of reports that not all of those plantations are being actually protected, but we and that you know that they're supposed to not be on deforested land. So we're hoping that it's it's basically better than nothing, but it's not that great. <laughs> so hopefully, I mean, we're hoping that there's going to be a better scheme. That I mean, because the roundtable has been so strongly criticised, that at some point people are going to start saying we need to make something better. Um, that there has been much more effective um, action in with some other commodities like soya in Brazil. They did actually, they created this moratorium when all of the big companies who buy, the big traders basically who buy the soya got together and agreed that they wouldn't buy anything that had been grown on deforested land. And they used um, satellite data from the Brazilian space station to actually verify it. And it really actually has worked. Like they have stopped soya, as far as anyone can tell, growing, being grown on deforested land in, in the Amazon. So it's not worked 100%. Everybody says there's still issues, but it's pretty, it, it was by the standards of these things, it was really successful. So that is a sort of model of what can be done really. Unfortunately, at the moment with palm oil, it hasn't really been done. It's not really obvious why. Um, Maybe there's just not the will. There's just too many people making too much money out of this, really, I think. This is where empowering your purchasing, I think, is just is such a valuable message that just everybody just needs to talk about because we create demand and companies supply us with what we want. We have the power to create change if we want it. If we want sustainable, fresh produce that is local, that hasn't come from deforested land, we can tell our supermarkets, our shops that we want this and they will they will give it to us to the best that they can. And I think that is it's such a huge and powerful message and it comes from simply choosing to spend your money in places that do align with your values. In terms of palm oil, if it says sustainable palm oil on the back, I have pure um, sunflower spread. And I almost had a heart attack the other day because it said, oh, palm oil. And I was like, no. And then I saw it said sustainable palm oil. And I was like, oh, okay, phew, that's okay. But from what you've just said, it sounds like that there's no real sustainable palm oil. So that might there's be my There's nothing you can guarantee, really. It, I mean, that just means it's certified by the RSPO, uh, the Royal, um, uh, sorry, well, 
<laughs> round table of sustainable power. I'm, I'm British, just royal, just creeps in. But, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's better than nothing. It's just yeah. not that good. <laughs> It's, it's sort of the the problem that we have in society as a whole really is that we're looking for the best of a bad situation in many things and there's a huge demand out there for standards to be better so in terms of products with palm oil in maybe just best for those of us who are extremely dedicated to, to living in line with our values that we just cut out all products even when it says sustainable palm oil yeah we we haven't known quite what to do about it as an organization our current rating system we give a best rating to companies who are either don't use it at all or they sort of go beyond the rspo to an extent like they they mention they talk about some positive initiatives they're involved in like some of them will say in their reports that they they're doing something on the ground to try to help uh, small farmers not deforest or I mean so they'll they we sort of try to say they'd have to go beyond it a bit it's difficult to get evidence of what they're really doing but that's what we suggest is our kind of best um thing to do because of this issue that just saying don't use it at all we haven't been sure whether to do that because there people have said well if you don't use palm oil you'll have to use another oil and how will that be produced and there is that issue so we're not yeah we yeah we've tried to just kind of say yes do the rspo but also do a bit more i think so in what we're learning at the moment with covid19 it's if you can live without it great basically if you don't need that product that has palm oil in it and you can live without it best just try and you want utmost to buy it once a year on your birthday if you love it like loads and loads but yeah okay this is um it's, it's just such a it shocks me every time I start to talk about food and I start to get into the nitty gritty of, of supply chains. Could you talk about your, your ranking system and how it looks on, on the website and what someone could expect to see when they, when they go if they, haven't, if they haven't used ethical consumer for the first time? And um, are there any products out there like palm oil that you, could, that you have got sort of a similar, not quite sure feeling about at the moment is there anything else we should be avoiding or we should be demanding better standards for mm. there's quite a lot of problematic commodities oh sorry i'll answer the first bit of your question first <laughs> so when you go to the website we basically um we rate all companies on diff on di in different categories so we rate them on um supply chain on environmental reporting on pollution on um, animal rights and then we kind of give them a score for each one and then we add them all up which is a bit crude but that's how you, the only way to do it really um, and then they'll um we basically will we do product guides so we'll do a guide to soap um we just did one <laughs> for obvious reasons <laughs> so everybody wants right now yeah. um and then you we if you go to the website, you get um, a rating out of uh, out of fifteen for each um, uh, for each company. So, like uh, the fifteen is the highest, so a company might get fifteen, and then going down to the bottom of our um, rating. So, we try to rate the big brands in any market, and also any that particularly stand out, either because they're very ethical or they're just different from the others. Um, so would generally do about 20 for each market and um, although actually we often because there's crossovers we sometimes get more than that um, 
so we yeah so if you go then you can see uh see on the website each the the, the rank the rating that company has and then if you click through you can find out all the reasons why it's been given that rating and all the stories behind that rating and you can also choose what you're interested in so if you're not interested in animal rights you can just choose to make that zero and that won't show anymore uh, because we appreciate everybody's not got the same ethical concerns so uh, um, so that's how the website works oh and there's also around that there'll be the article to explain all the issues a bit more um, so yeah the exciting bit the words <laughs> oh, it's um, a wealth of knowledge I spend hours hours cool. <laughs> Um, uh, yes, what was your sec second part to your question? Sorry, Val, um, you, you mentioned other types of commodity, other valuable commodities that are in high demand that might not be, oh, yeah. that aren't great for the environment like palm oil. Well, I mean, one of the major ones, as I just, as I said earlier, is, is just the animal products mm. are, are just, uh, that is one that I think is the most unambiguous actually, like, because things like palm oil, it's like, it's really difficult because it, you've probably got to eat some oil and it's got to come from somewhere. So it can be a bit confusing. It's like, if you don't use palm oil, maybe you'll get it from somewhere else and maybe that'll be bad as well. But I, I think when I've looked at it, the animal products one is really unambiguous that they're just bad for the climate because they use so much land and they uh, also, the ruminants, the ones that eat, basically eat grass and have a four chambered stomach, uh, produce lots of methane, which is a very strong greenhouse gas. So it's it's quite unambiguous, that one. And I mean, anything which is burning a lot of fossil fuels, so um, long distance flights, yeah, you know, everybody says it best because it's true <laughs> on that one. Um, uh, so particular commodities that have bad reputations, um, as well as palm oil, what is there? There's, let me just think for a second, also there. I mean, there's certain things that are just associated with loads of pesticides like cotton, um, that's, there's, that's in sort of a clothing area. Um, uh, and you might get, I have to think of There's so much on your website. So <laughs> many different areas. I'm yeah, now there is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and then I can say something about <laughs> Well, one thing I was um, looking into the other day was my kettle. I mean, I, I drink an, a large amount of tea. I work from home, so I'm just I'm very close to my kitchen. It's a very short commute. Um, and I was very sad to see that pucker tea bags. I thought I was doing so good for the environment. All the all the packaging is recycled. All the inside tea bits were organic, but went to work, go on ethical consumer for my sort of had to have a look, have a browse. What am I doing? I was like, oh, I've just started buying pucker. Should have checked before I went to buy and said, like, no, I got conned by labeling. Oh, they're um, Unilever, I think. So yeah, yeah, Unilever. So yeah, even though it says organic, even though it says it's fair trade, there are still elements of its supply chain, what some parts of the the company that that aren't ethical. And when I'm doing my shopping, I'm looking for your your top rated things uh, like BioD washing powder, um, washing machine liquid, all of that stuff. Love it. It's like ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight out of a hundred and on and, and all your things so i'm i'm really i'm looking for the top things so yeah i was i bought all this pack of tea and i was 
I, that is a point actually I forgot to say, which is that we rate companies, we basically follow the money. So that's our philosophy. So we rate companies at the parent company level. So if a company is owned by, like the Spucker team might have its own policies, I'm not sure I, um, I didn't rate them. But, um, or, but because they're owned by Unilever, they will inherit quite a lot of Unilever's scores, which is going to pull them down because Unilever is, does all sorts of dodgy things in other areas. So we basically, we're sort of saying, well, you're giving money to that company. It's going to go back to the parent company eventually. So we, yeah, which is sort of different from what a lot of people do, which is they just look at the, the brand or the company. We, we always look at who owns it. And we end up with quite a big knowledge of who owns what as well, which is not always in the public domain. You have to do a little bit of sleuthing sometimes to find out who owns what company. So, um, do you get quite good at this? <laughs> but, um, so, yeah, I mean, and a lot of the time people will talk in the media about companies without being very clear on who owns them. One of the ones that was kind of interesting to me when I first joined Ethical Consumer, I think the first guide I ever did, I found out that nearly all of the shops within train stations are owned by the same company, which is SSP. So it looks like when you go in there that there's like loads of different shops, but they're actually it's the same company, it's, which is kind of interesting. Um, interesting. Um, so yeah, well, I can't remember what they're called now, but like, Upper crust and uh, all the others. Um, Delicus de France. I don't know. If yeah, I'm yeah. I, I always, yeah, uh, I always see those ones. So, but I mean, yeah. So the same thing of like, because a company will often get criticised, like uh, uh, Sports Direct, because it's Max Mike Ashley, and he's basically just a horrible person, as far as anyone can tell. But um, like, they own everything. People don't always realise just how many other companies are linked to it, like um, Field and Trek. Uh, Evan Cycles, it's all the same company. Uh, so uh, what are the other ones? Like um, Yeoman's Outdoors is his as well. So we, because we, we've got this huge database which says who owns everything <laughs> and also um, we, all the different stories connected to each company. So that's quite useful for just knowing uh, yeah, who's, where the money is likely to be funneled uh, when you buy something. Wow. So I think the, the what I'm going to be recommending to anybody who asks, again, how do I make sure that I shop ethically? I'm just going to say before you buy anything, check out <laughs> on Ethical Consumer what its ranking is. Because no matter what the label says, no matter who the company you might think it might actually, it's probably not. So there's this whole sort of web behind what we see at the supermarket level of what's actually going on. And I think for me, that's the thing that's the most unsettling, especially about food. It's, um, do you think you celebrated your 30th birthday, am I right, on the 20, on December 19th, December 2019, it was Ethical Consumers 30th birthday. Yes. And I think I saw an, um, a video and it said, hopefully in the next, here's the next 30 years, but hopefully we won't need to be around. Do you think you will ever be able to achieve your goal of, ethical environmental human rights and animal welfare supply chains throughout everything of all the world do you think can you see that we're making progress do you see that there are is there a light at the end of the tunnel i think there's progress in some areas and some things are getting worse so it's difficult to see an overall picture i'm not sure i don't think it'll ever be not needed completely um like 
I think with things like Sawyer, there was progress there and then it got worse with some things. So I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, I think we'll always, we'll, it'll always be needed because I mean, ethical consumer has never, the people who work there and the philosophy of it has never been that this is all you should be doing. It's one aspect of what you should be doing, but also, I mean, we've always thought that it, needs to be complemented with political action and with talking to people and choose an ethical career and choose to work for an ethical company. I mean, it's not only what you buy that matters. Um, but uh, yeah, we've all, we think that this is one important part of the strategy uh, of trying to make a better world because it's, it, it, there's certain things that you can do with this that you can't do other ways. You can support an ethical company that, that sort of creates a good example and that can help pull everyone else up sometimes and um, uh, can show what can be done and boycotting specific companies cannot it doesn't just have an effect on that company it makes all the other companies frightened which makes them behave a bit better because they know that that could happen to them <laughs> so it, all these things sort of just push things help to push things in the right direction <laughs> It's people power. It's um, yeah. You don't fuck up your ideas, and I'm going down the road, and no business wants that. This is why I'm, I'm yeah. The empowered purchasing of the of the nominated like company school program solutions for climate revolution is so. It's such a big part, but you're right. It's not the only part. It's um, it's one piece of a much a much bigger puzzle. And uh, some young people that I've spoken to are very interested in careers advice. Could they use ethical consumer to find out what? companies are sustainable and ethical because they can yeah. follow so that would be a good place for some people to check out we don't we've never really talked about that overtly but there's nothing stopping you doing that because we're rating companies and we say who their parent companies are and all the rest of it you could definitely use it to decide who you want to work for um so yeah i think that's another thing that you could do it's limitless it's absolutely <laughs> could you talk about e-waste and explain what it is and how young people today and all of us can can start to contribute to not contributing e-waste. So e-waste is, I mean, all of the electronics we use are enormously, um, they, they, we use an enormous amount of them and they tend to, a lot of them sadly have sort of built in obsolescence. So there's a mountain of, e-waste being produced really that is uh, and there's, there's all sorts of things inside electronic goods inside computers that are very poisonous um, as well as just things that you don't want to waste because they're non-renewable resources um, or they come from places where there's some different you know mining them has a significant cost so you don't really want to just throw them away um, so uh the, i'm not uh, it's not really something that i paid focus that much on i'm not really an expert on where it all goes at the moment i'm there is there are people in the organization who know about that the stuff on our website but i not i don't it's not an area i know that much about but um certainly now there's a lot of uh laws you have to uh you should be taking your e-waste to i think they call it we <laughs> Which is a good name. Uh, I can't remember what we stands for. Um, uh, um, 
to so so it's not just being chucked in the bin, but it's being uh, the things that can be can be recycled are being recycled, and the rest is being disposed of responsibly. I think some of the things the bad things that have happened is that some of it has been uh, just taken to poorer countries where people who are desperate for money have dismantled it without any safety procedures and uh, have got been uh, got very ill been poisoned by all sorts of unpleasant things in there and it's also damaged the land caused, caused huge amounts of pollution so i don't know to the extent to which that's happening still i think there was some progress in that i'm I, as i said i'd have to look that up because that's not an area i know that much about but yeah Sorry, I asked the wrong, asked the wrong question. It's, yeah, um, no, it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely an, in the huge issue that was well, partly just the waste of what's mm. going on. I mean, we can't really uh, keep using the planet's resources like like they're infinite when they're not infinite. Mm. Like you're having a new smartphone every two years, which to an extent you have to do because they break. Mine's, yeah. uh, mine's broken about four times. Um, yeah. And it, it's... You know, there's a huge amount of resources and engineering has gone into that. Um, a lot of lots of chemicals and, and minerals that there's not an infinite amount of them. It's education around the supply chain, how things are produced, and then it's the end of life. I think that is that's where the that's where the information and the eyes need to start kind of focusing because it's um it just it it baffles me the um, the processes that, that some products go through to get from starting being produced to to get to in the shop to where i could buy it or someone else could buy it and and then it's the the the, the downside of our linear economy of take make waste it's we don't have systems in place that can recycle that readily so like you say it just goes into landfill or someone in a low-income country like has the resource but they don't know how to extract it so it's just yeah so we we need an, an entire overhaul of our of our economic system which might happen <laughs> over the yeah. next couple of months yeah, who, knows? who knows what's going to happen now i don't <laughs> I don't, I don't know what what is, earth is going to happen at the end of this lockdown but yeah i think there needs certainly just needs to be incentives in place for companies to make goods at last because at the moment all the incentives work the wrong way they want us to buy more things we're not going to buy a new smartphone if the other one doesn't break but that is not leading to the a collective good use of resources this is yeah this is the issue though we have i believe this capital well i know we have capitalism but it's um i'm not an economist so i, I hope i'm using the right words in my understanding but it's yeah we have this capitalist society which is just expected to grow exponentially continually producing profit but it's with like the globe, we have to do that working within the global commons, which is the resources that, that the earth has. And we have to figure out a way to, to do that responsibly. Um, when you, I think I just remembered when you mentioned we earlier, is that um, capital W E capital E E? I can't remember what the acronym is, but I it's can't something it to do with. Yeah. Waste for electronics. Something? Yeah, it's w, sure. is it two E's or three E's? I can't remember. I think it it's, might be three. Yeah, W E E E capitals. In case for anyone who wants to. I think to that the person who came up with that acronym found it funny. It's <laughs> <laughs> basically why it's called that. Yeah, I think. It's, yeah, I wish I could remember all the words. It's like yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's another acronym that I can never remember. But it is. It makes me chuckle. Yeah. <laughs> In terms of what people can do in their in their daily lives, 
and making ethical choices in terms of food, where they buy their clothes, where they buy their electronics. What in your mind is the, is the need to change to make sure that we are all pushing forward into the vision of the future that we want? What would you say gives you hope? And what is there that still makes you nervous and scared for the future that there needs to be more attention put on? I think that, so hope, hopefulness comes from the fact that huge amounts of people are really concerned, particularly about climate change at the moment. I think it's, it's, it's obvious that people really want to tackle this. People don't always know how to, but they're like really concerned and there is a huge amount of goodwill to, to tackle that and to, um, and to tackle social issues as well and to make supply chains fairer and better um, so I think that's really positive um, and in some areas there is real progress and th that can sometimes get lost I think in the mainstream news has a tendency to be biased towards bad news so you can sometimes lose some of that um, well, like in all sorts of areas people are showing that they really care like there is a huge reduction in in meat that's going on in this country but also internationally I think there's oh I can't remember the figure now but one Oh, no, I'm not going to say it in case I'm wrong. But um, uh, and and there's big progress in in other environmental things like electric cars, which we're going to have to switch over to completely. And and we are switching over, not maybe not fast enough, but we are doing it. Um, uh, and uh, the same thing that I mean, there's been lots of environmental progress on renewables. Um, the price of solar panels has come down hugely. The price of batteries has come down hugely. So all of the sort of technological things are getting there. Um, so we we all just have to um, start using them more. Um, and I think that's that that's really hopeful. I think the problems are that an awful lot of it is not happening fast enough in terms of the climate stuff that the, there is the will but the will is a bit not not as strong <laughs> particularly amongst politicians um and uh and on social things i i think that neoliberalism is a big problem that that what we what we are doing we try to do what we can but ultimately i think some of this stuff it is very difficult to do it when you're at the end of a huge long supply chain and it has to be done by the government in the country concerned um so we try to do our best to to put pressure on companies to to help with that and not hinder it um but ultimately i think yeah big changes will come from uh governments just saying you're not allowed to that do that <laughs> it makes you know, it makes a big difference <laughs> um oh, you can just come along with one sweep they're just like no that's it <laughs> so uh, yeah i think the, the picture's not hopeless in lots of areas it's there's you know lots of things happening um uh but yeah it, a lot of it, it just needs to happen faster <laughs> mm. do you think there is any room here for petitions so there seems to be that things aren't moving fast enough and there's amazing there's a huge will for people of will of people to do the right thing but I, there's probably maybe people don't know where to access that information or maybe they just they don't know where to start so there's there's kind of this double-ended sword of not knowing where to where to go what to do and then also when i want to start doing the right thing is there going to be the supply for an increased demand 
So would there be, is there, yeah, what do you feel about petitions and how many kind of, how many signatures would you, would you need to kind of really start to make a difference and a dent in, in big companies that have, that own all these companies and that kind of stuff? Like, are you talking about millions of people, like hundreds of millions of people in order to make a difference? What do you think on that? I think that with with political activism, it's a matter of uh, a sort of the whole picture. All sorts of things push. Um, well, they push everybody, pol politicians, companies, and individuals in particular directions. It's a sort of like a petition on its own can feel a bit like it's why would somebody listen to that? But it's one part of a bigger picture, like the petition, well, there'll be talk about, about the petition and that puts pressure on people. And every time you ask somebody to sign the petition, you're talking about the issues. Um, and then you talk about boycotts around that and you can talk about voting around that. And uh, the, the more sort of focus on a particular issue there is, then things do start to, to move. And we've seen that with things like the soil moratorium, that that started with just a campaign. Uh, there were Greenpeace and various other organisations were put, put pressure on these companies and then they started to do things. So it's, I, yeah, a petition, I think it, it, it is, it can feel like clicktivism. It can feel you're just doing something very small, so it won't make a huge difference. And that is true in itself, but as one part of a bigger thing, it can make a difference, I think. I think that's that's really amazing to, to hear you say that, because any time I have a dilemma, I'm just like, I just need to start a petition. I've not started many petitions, I think. <laughs> but it's, um, I have this idea in my mind that if I get to a place where I can just start petitions and loads of people will sign them I can just sort of mail it to someone and email it to someone email it to a newspaper and be like you can't ignore this because I've just sent it to the press you've got to do something about it and I just I wonder if it's um if it's just a dream in my head that I'm maybe being too idealistic or but I think it's you've got to try these things haven't you and I'm very much of the very much of the mind that I'd much rather promote something that I think is doing good rather than protest against something that is doing bad i want to put all my energy and all my attention on the things that are that are really good but at the same time it's there's that balance of oh got to call out the person who's not doing right by chopping all the forests down not giving people a fair wage for their work and just killing loads of animals it's there's just it's just such a minefield it's such a Shame is a very strong emotion with humans. We don't like being shamed at all. So if people sort of focus on things and they, lots of people are saying that's not good, then it does have a huge effect, I, I think. Yeah, it, it affects everybody. <laughs> that's good to hear. I think there's, um, yeah, I, get, I, can, I can get quite sad thinking about how profit-orientated companies are sometimes. And I think, no, I've got to believe in the good of people and the, the will and the want of people to do the right thing. So that's, that's hugely empowering to hear you say that. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure to, to meet one of the faces behind Ethical Consumer. I think you will, yeah, I hope, I very much hope that you will be around for the next, the next few decades. But at the same time, I, in a weird way, I hope that you're not. So I hope that that's not a weird, <laughs> a weird way to, to end the conversation. Keep all my goals. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great. Okay. Well, yeah. Thanks for uh, for interviewing me. Thank you so much. I think um, I'm really excited to release this episode because um, tomorrow I'm doing a mini episode um, for the project to talk about empowered purchasing. So this will be 
I think hugely resourceful for, for young people who not only want to empower their purchasing, but figure out what companies that they can, that they can go into later in life. Cause it's, um, yeah, there's, like you say, there's lots of misinformation. There's lots of unknowns out there. And I think thanks to ethical consumer and amazing researchers and passionate people like yourself, there's, there is light at the end of the tunnel, like you say, there's, we've all got to stick together. We've all got to work towards what we know to be true and good. And we'll get through this together because we're, humans are awesome. We can be absolutely amazing when yeah, we put we, out. Yeah, we, really we can be pretty awful. We can be amazing. It's a bit confusing, really. <laughs> I totally know what you mean. There's, there's this, yeah. I don't know what we are, really. Uh, great. <laughs> oh, great to talk to you. Thank you so much, Josie. And uh, yeah, I wish you all the best and to stay safe and hopefully... Yeah, we could pick this conversation up again in the next couple of months just to hear about what ethical consumerism doing what amazing campaigns you had i'd just love to shout out for your um your covid 19 crowdfunding supporting workers campaign Thanks. i think that's very important um and yeah very very much needs some attention on it as well it's all about workers in in spain and i'm probably not pronouncing this right almeria and almeria, almeria and what's the next one sorry Oh, Hallem I'm not sure the next one. I got dyslexia. H-U-E-L-V-A in Spain. <laughs> My dyslexia, I can't. I'm not sure because we, we call it Al the Alamera campaign, so I can't, I've, I'm not sure the other one. <laughs> I haven't been oh, enough no. part of it. So that's my but, fault. I just, yeah, so I yeah. No, it's fine. Yeah, we, we decided to run that because we've been involved, quite involved with um, with uh, some community leaders there just talk because the conditions there are appalling. It's been going on for ages. So we started reporting on it because a lot of the mainstream media have reported on it a bit, but then they get bored and they go away. So we think this needs consistent pressure because yeah it's a, it's really terrible the situation um and so we've had this sort of ongoing relationship with people there and so we thought we would run a crowdfunder for because the situation during um the lockdown there is really terrible there's people living in these shacks with no running water a lot of them are not able to work so um uh yeah so and we've had really an amazing response to it actually we, we didn't realize we would get so much money so quickly so everybody's been having uh text conversations about how much how great it is that we've got loads of money <laughs> that's yeah. wonderful that's so wonderful and almira is it's the big it's the greenhouse complex where we get a lot of our salads and fruits tomatoes like cucumbers tomatoes and peppers and when you see something in the supermarket that says from spain it's almost very likely probably from this massive greenhouse complex and am i right you can see it from space these green yeah it's absolutely yeah i've never been there but it's absolutely enormous i've been spoken to people who have and it just it's like a plastic world forever just where they grow all the vegetables and it's it's nearly everybody who works on it is migrant workers who are treated really really badly this is mm. so not only have you got you've got the the poor working conditions for people who aren't even being given somewhere to live because they've had to make their own accommodation on site. They've come in from another country. They most likely asylum seekers coming in to try and find peace. And then, yeah, you've got these growing conditions of probably not organic, probably using lots of chemicals. And then there's the freight from Spain to, to the UK and other places that, that, yeah, this project is being made. So there's, how does, how does products like that, how would they rate on your on your scale it's pretty i'm guessing it's pretty low down with <laughs> yes 
Although I don't know if we'd be able to tell if they'd come from there. I'm not. I'm not sure actually. Have we particularly rated companies on on this? We've just run it as a kind of campaign, just talking. We like putting pieces in the magazine about what's going on there. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I because a lot of the time, uh, oh, because we rate at the company level. I'm not sure if we would always know if a, if a product had come from. From there but yeah if it's coming from spain vegetables are very likely to be from there it's um i got confused about this because uh, i thought i was doing really well buying when i do buy stuff from a supermarket dutch organic the, the, the royals um dutch organic stuff yeah that's um, waitress one isn't it yeah but a lot of that comes from spain and i'm wondering right. and then i was talking to i had an amazing conversation with someone the other day um and they said and it, I got so confused because it said, I think on my bag of spinach, it's a Dutch organic spinach, and it said wash before use. And I thought, I thought the whole point of organic was that you didn't have to wash it before use. And this gentleman, Sir William um, Hannah, and I had a conversation with him on a podcast last Friday. He said, um, well, there's, you can't trust labels. And I just, that made me really nervous because I thought, well, if this is the Dutchy estate, which is supposed to be for the, you know, the royals, I thought, and they're getting stuff from Spain. I can't, I can't figure that one out in my head. Do you have any thoughts on that? No, I think I would generally, if something says it's certified by the Soil Association, I would think mm. that would be reliable. Yeah. Um, I don't know if maybe you also want to wash it just because of dirt, or I don't know what their reasoning was, but I would assume that it wasn't. Yeah, if it's if it is that those, those labels, if it's certified by the Soil Association or certified fair trade, I would expect that they would they would be. So I don't think it could be that. Okay. Well, that's good to know. So the Soil Association, I've just got to sing their praises again because they are, they're one of the, the, the unsung heroes, I think, of, of now, the future, and, and certainly in the past, they're definitely something that I would, uh, yeah, they're an organisation I would, I would love to have the opportunity to interview at some point. So, yeah, shout out to the Soil Association and anyone who wants to buy anything from the Soil Association, you can know, you can trust that, that, that that's legit and that's good. Sorry, could you just the, the word that I sort of said goodbye? Oh, yeah, we then we sort of forgot forgot about that because we talked about animals. Uh, yeah, let me just uh, ask one more question. Do you, uh, yeah. What can you talk about? Can you talk a bit about fair trade? Because didn't the um, the, the legislation or something changed a couple of years ago? They were saying that you could now call something fair trade when it had um, only some elements of it were fair trade or something like that. I can't. I don't really know the ins and outs of it. I know that something has changed. It so. has been evolving over time. I don't know if there's any massive change that happened recently. It, the, the standard has gradually changed, though. There has been, and there's been various controversies at various times, such as whether they will certify a brand as fair trade within a company that overall isn't, um, which I think they do now, and I think that's that upset a lot of people because you're giving money to that company which not all of their products are fair trade yeah no they definitely do sorry what should i say i think they do um so yeah you'll get a company which has one brand that's certified fair trade so i mean the major thing about fair trade is fair trade well fair trade is a lot of different things but i view it as principally a price support so it's um and that's what makes it different from a lot of the other labels because you get these other labels like rainforest um a bird friendly rainforest um, alliance. alliance that's mm -hmm. it and um, 
And a lot of those have various standards that producers have to meet, same as fair trade, but hard, basically none others, apart from a very few very rare ones, which you probably won't come across, um, have this price hard, hard cash element that, that fair trade does. But they, fair trade has two things, which it's got a premium, so the producer gets a bit more money, and it also has a price floor. So if the market price drops so very suddenly, because in some commodities that can happen, and that can really be like horrendous for the producers because they planted the whole load of trees expecting to get a certain amount of money and then the price can collapse and then they've got these trees and they harvest them and they don't get anything for the um or very little for the produce so um so fair trade sort of aim to um help with that by having a price floor and um, so those are like the things that fair trade does that i think are really different from all the others so yeah that's that makes fair trade uh, a stronger uh, a stronger label than the others and so we we award that then more marks for that brilliant so we've got um soil association fair trade and if it's on the ethical consumer and it's got a high rating those are those are really good sort of standards that we can we can have confidence in purchasing products for are there any other labels Sorry, i'm asking more questions are there oh, any other a, labels there's a lot of other labels yeah. <laughs> i mean there's one of the issues here is that there's a sort of label proliferation which can be very confusing for consumers so we kind of try to hopefully um help with that to an extent by trying to tell people what these things actually mean and if they're actually good or not because an awful lot of the companies at the moment are kind of doing their own labels like the supermarkets are saying we're not going to do fair trade we're going to do our own one which we're going to call something that's a bit similar to fair trade um so now there's kind of hundreds of them that people are confused about what they mean um, and most of them they have some kind of standard built in so they they will have some requirements that producers do certain things but as i said there's pretty much none others that have the price support element so that makes fair trade really unique um i mean there's loads and loads of other schemes for individual commodities like the better cotton alliance and the um well uh, now my mind's gone blank again um, but, um <laughs> yeah i mean a lot of those basically check out our website i mean some of those there's some of them are more meaningful than others so we try to look into what they what they mean and if they're worth supporting or not um some of them are uh, are a little bit lip service some of them are not so it's difficult yeah it's it's got very confusing for people unfortunately i think this is one of the things that i'm realizing and i think i've, I've had conversations with this with other people is the amount of work that we we have to put in to finding out information ourselves about the products and the labels and that's why ethical consumers is just such a valuable resource i think and it, it helps me so much in my life and yeah i just i want to sing your praises and promote you as much as i can because <laughs> it's um it's just it's wonderful to have the peace of mind knowing that your for example my my washing machine what's it called detergent i can put that in and i can know that it's going to biodegrade and i'm not harming I'm not harming the planet i'm not harming animals and the supply chains are good so people people are getting a good wage for their work and that is it gives me a sense of freedom and i think that's it's what you're providing you're providing that for people and i think there is i think it's just so honorable and just so wonderful and it's such an incredible thing that you're doing and i just wanted to say again thank you so much
because it's just it's just wonderful so yeah i'm going to promote 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 ethical consumer and <laughs> yeah get the message out there that that is what yeah we yeah everybody should everybody should be checking out ethical consumer and through that way we can make positive steps towards meaningful and impactful changes that we all want to see in the world so this time i'm really gonna have to let you go josie thank you so much for your time and i hope no I'll get the opportunity. yeah good to talk to you thank yeah you. bye bye all the best bye